Good evening, everyone. It's the Practical Scouter. I am Greg. Uh, we're here, as always, with Jay and Jeff. Hi, guys. Hello, hello. Uh, howdy. How's everyone doing this evening? It's great. Happy um, uh, Rural Transit Day. Rural Transit yeah. Day? Rural tra- yeah. It's a, um, uh, it's a thing. Na- national thing? It's a, national it thing? is. It's a thing. It was... Uh, 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 two two years ago, it was started as a as an awareness holiday, uh, to, uh, and this, so it's, this is uh, the second anniversary of Rural Transit Day, in an effort to uh, understand the unique needs of rural and tribal passengers and plan services to meet those needs. Cool. So, did you do anything special for that? Today? Uh, me? No, no, not today. Okay. Not today. Okay. I didn't. I didn't transit today. So I, I just stayed in my attic. <laughs> Drinking seltzer. Uh, we're, still th- we're still there, are we? Well, you, you kept us there, so I keep trying to get away from it. But uh, I, I, I thought, you know, when, the, when we ended the last recording, I thought that was over. But okay, here we are again. Yeah, yeah no, it's, you know, I just figured I'd get ahead of it because you'd forget. It also, also okay. right around this time of our recording, uh, Bastille Day, which that's a big one, right, for those... Uh, yeah, in French sure. and Bastille Day, and uh, yep. there's a, a, a Muslim one, Eid al hadha which is that's is, uh, it's actually a big one. It's the last day. Uh, it marks the uh, the end of the Hajj pilgrimage to Mecca. So, you know, there's a yeah, cool. there's some awareness holidays, some uh, political holidays, and some uh, religious holidays right right around this time that, nice. that make the calendar. We- we may or may not be recording on July 27th, but but that is National Seltzer Day. There really, there is a thing. National I, Seltzer I Day. I'm looking right at it. Oh, I'm looking right at it. My, that's my July 27th. That's my why. By the way, why do you, why start the seltzer jokes? What are you saying? I don't. I, I you started it. I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I, there's proof. This is one of those things where there's actual proof. You you made a crack about me alone. In an attic with a case of seltzer. Your words. Oh, yeah. Oh, so you started with the. That's true. That's you started true. it. I. I didn't. I, I did start it. But you're just not letting it go. No, I'm not. And as I take a, a drink of my my polar mm-hmm. uh, seltzer, a 100% natural seltzer. Is seltzer natural? I mean, it's not really. How can it be natural? There's nothing. You don't. Sel- are, are there springs with grapefruit flavored seltzer? seltzer? Seltzer doesn't exist in nature. What is that? <laughs> No. 100% natural no, seltzer. Uh, ruby red grapefruit flavored. So, Greg, here's to you as I toast the, oh, mi- the microphone here. That's good. Very nice. When, yeah, when you find that natural spring where they're getting that grapefruit seltzer from, I'm very curious to see it. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. Uh, are we d- are right. we, we going to talk scouting here? Yeah, I suppose, oh, we could. I suppose so. <laughs> or should we start over? I don't know. <laughs> These poor listeners well, are three minutes in, and what did they get from us so far? Well, there's a fast forward button, right? We should do it. We should put a. Uh, we should put one of those in the in the in the uh, show notes. We should put a skip to uh, three three forty to hear the, the you know pass the banter, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, although you know, for all we know, we we don't have the advanced statistics account but for all we know folks listen to the banter and then they leave oh or maybe that's the draw uh maybe maybe (laughs) (laughs) but but if you want to play 
monetary bets on it? I'm guessing not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of the draw, Greg, any have you checked the mailbag recently? I know you. you I have. I have. There's nothing, nothing new. Nothing new. Nothing new in the last couple of weeks. But did you make good and get those notes out to the people asking about Jay's speech? Yes, I did. Okay. Well, that's good. I, I absolutely did. All right. So you failed less than before. Uh, I have, uh, I have, I have risen above the failures, and um, uh, how shall we say? I've made good on th- those late responses, but we are all up to date. Cool. Have we ever asked our listeners to suggest topics? Sure. We did. What we? I, I, I think you just did. Oh, okay. All right. Has anyone suggested topics so no. far? <laughs> nope. That's good because I don't have any other ideas. I mean, it's bad because I don't have any other ideas. Well, we got to be careful. I mean, we're coming up, we're out, we're running out of ideas. Or I mean, we're also almost. How many of these have we done? This will this will be number forty eight. Believe this it or is forty eight. Wow. This is forty eight. We could do something special for fifty. I don't know. I think we do. Should I think we should do a Jay's Wisdom Supercut? How's that? Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, that's a bad idea, but okay. That's a. That's a <laughs> I think it's a great idea. But it's an idea. It's an idea. It is an idea. No one said. Yeah. No. No one ever said it was a good idea. But. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, let's brainstorm ideas while while we're recording. That's always good. okay. So we have we do have a topic, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. We do have a topic. We're going to talk about now that we, we get all the fun out of the way and get to the so, serious. And, and, and mark this for everyone to skip ahead to. Six minutes and fifty-five seconds. Oh man! Yeah, <laughs> it's it's almost time to start the next one. And yeah, right. That far. <laughs> so we were going to talk about what happens when a unit folds, why units fold, and the the business logistics side of it. You know what happens to their flags, to their bank accounts, to you know what, what all the stuff because units have stuff. So let's start with the the you know we've all seen units fold. Well, three of us have seen you. It's fault. Yeah. I'm sure everyone's seen it happen. Yeah. And uh, th- there are lots of reasons why it happens. I-, I would think the fundamental one is membership. Is you, you run out of youth to serve. Yeah. Right? The, yeah. Yeah. You don't, yeah. You don't have enough. Well, it's, it's, it's probably more complicated than that. It's, it, there's very few places where all the kids are effectively tied up doing something. It's probably, for whatever reasons, lack of recruiting to replace the kids that have moved on to mm-hmm. whatever, either a different program or just dropped out. Oh, sure. I, I, I didn't mean to imply that that it was that there was lack of available available potential members. Mm-hmm. More that you know that unit for whatever reason was not successfully recruiting members, and you know when you get down to a troop or a pack of four of six that the leaders at some point either look around and say well when my kid's done i'm done and no one else is coming in or is this really worth it when there's another unit one town over which has 30 and many hands make light work i'll just head over there and i would imagine that's so so i guess i'll I'll refine my earlier statement I would imagine in most cases it's a combination of membership and a leader. I hate to say atrophy, because sometimes it's just the the, re, the realistic nature of the fact that there aren't enough adults to get the work done. 
So you're t yes. So but you're talking about why do they fold? Right. Cause I'm talking about why they right. fold. So yeah, you don't have enough members, um, and but then there's what's the root cause of not having enough members? Right? Is it mm -hmm. uh, leader uh, either straight up poor leadership, bad communication? Is it uh, uh, maybe you're not? There's a lot of reasons for it potentially. You're not getting good enough support from your chartering organization. Uh, you could have a change in population. You could have some uh, some better programs, either scouting or otherwise, around you that are drawing from your population. I mean, there's a lot of reasons for that, right? Yeah, and you mentioned lack of support from a charter charter organization. Um, we've we've seen that when the ch a charter org pulls, and the unit just can't figure out a replacement, and they cannot continue to operate without a charter organization. So reasons aside, you, Greg, you presided over, not presided over, but you were the Cub Master when a, a neighboring unit f did fold and you, you, you brought them in. And uh, it, before it was sort of public knowledge, were, were there some uh, closed door conversations, so to speak, about that? I mean, what, what was that oh, all about? Yes. Yes, some uh, some late night meetings at Panera. <laughs> Believe it or not. Yes. So the way that all transpired. So you're correct. I, I was a Cub Master, and at the time, we had a big big pack. We had 80 families at the time, mm. and a neighboring elementary school. And when I say neighboring, you know, a couple miles away, had 15 families, which is still plenty to run a pack. Certainly. Right. And I got a call from one of the den leaders who said, hey, I've got a few friends over on in your part of town. And our basically their cub master was moving on. His, his son was aging out. The cub master had told them, I found out later, a, a year ahead of time. Hey, guys, this is when I'm, I am going to leave when my son leaves. So one of you den leaders needs to step up or someone who's not, someone needs to step up. And... Um, so the so this one den leader approached me and said, I don't want to be the cub master. No one wants to be the cub master. Our cub master's leaving. I'd like to bring my den to you. And I said, well, hold on. Let's, let's first try. I, I don't want to decimate your pack. And I sat down initially with him and another den leader to try and figure out if there was a way to keep their pack running. Um, and I did bring in counsel immediately. I brought, I brought Tom in at the time. Uh, and because I, I wanted some input on how is this supposed to work, I, I, I did not. I wasn't looking to to win at scouting. I'm making my air quotes here. That was not the, the goal. Was not. To, I, I did not want to go from 80 to 95 families. Um, I was willing to, and that was what I was trying to make clear to the folks at, at council at the time. Um, was look, um, because they also said, you know, we don't want to lose a unit. We don't want to further increase the size of your unit. We want this unit to continue on, and I agreed with that. But there was uh, there was no appetite in the existing leadership of that unit to con to have a scout, a cub master. Well, and there was also some, I want to say, caustic uh, attitude and relationship with the committee chair, right? Yes. And yes, so there were issues there as yeah, well. Yeah. So there was there was. And that was that was years and years in the making, and it was just no one no one wanted to be the successor and put up with that. So they, you know, figuratively and literally, took their kids and went elsewhere. They did, and and they were 
they looked at it very much like that was their only option was that they couldn't get that committee chair to go so they all left instead and it was the only thing they could to a place that had a committee chair <laughs> to our place uh, right. because they felt that was the only way to to exercise um this particular issue exercise exercise you know what i mean fix fix thank you <laughs> fix me and my big words uh, so yeah, that that was an interesting situation, and you know, come to find out in that situation, there there was. So what I learned then was that if there's any money that the unit has, it technically belongs to the chartering organization. So the real answer is maybe. Okay, this is why Jay is here. <laughs> and I think it's a recent change in the. BSA rules, and if it's in their rules and regulations, there might be something in the bylaws, that if the unit raised money for scouting, quote-unquote, that money can revert to the council to be used as the council sees fit for scouting. Uh, this is, this is my shocked face. Can Listeners, can yeah. you see my... Can, <laughs> listeners, yeah, can right you on. hear my shocked face? Because it... Yeah. How do you get a shock face? I'm just I'm stunned. How do you get that across on audio? I guess you can't. You can't. <laughs> but but the, so but the other side of it is that if the money was sourced from the charter organization, then they own the money. Or if the assets. So if the charter organization went out and bought ten tents, charter organization owns those. Uh, if, uh, however, the unit did a fundraiser and uh, sold wreaths or Christmas trees, then that money was on the backs of the good name of scouting, and therefore the council has you know, the ability to, to take that money. I don't know how practical, I don't know what the practical effect that, of that is. And I think, again, that's a recent change in the BSA rules, hmm. because my understanding forever and a day had been exactly as we said, that your organization is the owner of that checking account and the owner of... Um, the unit, and therefore they own the cash, but it sounds like there's some variation. Yeah, and then... And I, don't know, I don't know that the council, council's actually stepped in anywhere saying, oh, that's our money. Yeah, and how on earth would you figure that out, right? And you'd yeah. have to lawyer up to get into the... I mean, that would just be just ugly, so hopefully that never really happens. Yeah. But yeah, you're, Greg, to your point, uh, the Pinewood Derby tracks and the flags and the, all of the camping gear and all that stuff that had to be and in in that particular case didn't it just sort of get stored away it did it was stored away with one of the one of the existing leaders was willing to hold on to it because even as the incoming the, the cubmaster they were coming into I said look you know keep this stuff because the even when they joined us it was with with the hope that they would build up their membership and eventually spin back off again. We, we talked from day one about the fact that this should be a get you back on your feet measure and not a, a permanent reduction in the pack. Right. And that's when I, um, shortly after your tenure, I took over and that was a stated goal of that new group coming in. And that happened to be uh, Cubmaster Meredith's group. Uh, yep. And that was a stated goal that within, I think we set a two-year goal. Uh, within the next, okay. you know, we said within the next two years, that's going to be the plan and everything we really, and that, that was, it was, uh, it, it was, that was a pretty fun uh, process to have that kind of teamwork. And that's when you're really, we were truly 
building groups for the youth uh, at that other school. Uh, and, you know, quite honestly, man, you get a pack of, I mean, at one, at one camp out when it was that monstrous combined group, we had over, <laughs> over 300 humans at a pack wow. camp out. And it's like, wow, you know, if you, fan, you know, fa- family camping with 300 uh, plus a little, three, 307, I think it was. And that's quite the event. And that's, it, wow, it's, it is. that's, uh, that's like full-time job level stuff, right? When you're in, uh, so we thankfully split that group up and, and made it to a more manageable size for the volunteer base available to us. Uh, but, uh, and, 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 and we've, we've had previous podcasts, Jay, uh, where you've talked about, is it better to have one larger unit or split to have two mm-hmm. smaller units? And, you know, there's right. so many dependencies on uh, uh, quality of leadership and facilities and things like that. But in general... Uh, it's better to have two smaller or medium-sized high-performing units than one large unit, I think, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, running a very large unit was hard, was really hard. Uh, it was hard on my voice <laughs> during those pack meetings. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, logistically, it was complicated because if, you know, we talk about how difficult it is sometimes to get parents to step up as leaders. Well, when you have that many kids it's so much easier for a parent to fade into the background you don't need everyone to do something but a lot of people then are able to fade into the background and i had more difficulty keeping the adults quiet at those large meetings than the kids right and then the other thing which was which was fun yeah and the other thing with the larger groups some of those shyer kids don't get a chance to mm-hmm. to shine uh, 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 uh as opposed to a, a smaller group where they can feel a little less intimidated. Jay, question for you on, so that's all about sort of the uh, real world example of when a unit folds up and what do you do and how do you resurrect them? And then there's other, there's other, well, COVID, everybody everywhere across the country has experienced a lot of units, just, they just didn't meet, so they closed up shop. So there's that right. dynamic too. But what happens at the council level there's incentive, there's like dollar incentive for the professionals to have new unit growth, not just membership growth. I mean, they have metrics on this. Is there anything you can share well, without getting you or anyone else in trouble, in trouble. about some of the, the, yeah. in, the so, inside so baseball? The, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not sure that I would say that the dollar incentives for new unit growth, rather that it's fairly well proven that uh, if you build it they will come so starting a new unit if it's done correctly and that's one of the hardest things we do in scouting is starting a new unit but starting a new unit you would be able to recruit kids that currently are not in the program and may not join an existing pack so if you have three uh, elementary schools in your town and two of them have packs and one doesn't that third school probably doesn't have as many kids as they otherwise could in Cub Scouts. So starting that unit in that third elementary school, you should be able to grow a decent-sized unit. And I think the typical number is you want 300 kids in the in the school, and you should be able to support a you know unit of 25 to 50 um, families um, or so. So that's so the scout executive setting goals for her or his 
district executives to start units is just part of their job because membership growth, um, you know, journey to excellence, whatever the current measurement standards are, is, you know, how do you measure success of a, of a district and of a council? It's to grow membership, but it's also to grow units. So, yeah, that, yeah. You know, indirectly, it's people still have jobs if, if we're continuing to grow. Yeah, that makes sense, I guess. Yeah, and I didn't mean to be so harsh in my language, but it is a byproduct of it, right? You know, the business side of scouting, as we've talked about a couple of times. So as a unit folds up, there's a whole bunch of paperwork. Uh, no one wants it to happen. And, but when, I, I've just never, I haven't thankfully yet been with a unit that does fold. I mean, what's that like on the inside and unit folds? It's just suddenly you just stop stop showing up you're just not meeting and then whatever i mean who closes the who closes the books who follows up on the paperwork who closes the checking account i guess it depends right it it would i mean the so the one the one that happened for us they were still very active they just knew that they weren't going to have a head they they weren't going to have a cubmaster and to your point they were having issues with the committee chair so for them it was more of a strategic exit than a fade away mm. I mean, I, I'll never forget the first PAC meeting they came to. I had a stack of applications. They were sitting there filling out applications. Yeah. Well, and I think you were surprised that all of them showed up like that. I was surprised they all showed up that way. I was more surprised when the committee chair walked in. Oh. Who they were trying to get away with they from. They did. I didn't, I didn't know enough at that time because I, I, I was there just as a parent at that point. Right. She walked in and handed me a bunch of paperwork, a bunch of binders and things. Oh, and really? And then she walked away. Yeah. Well, I know. I know our district. Uh, Tom was district commissioner, district chairman. What, yep. So, what, commissioner, district commissioner. Commissioner. I know he was pretty twisted up about that because he he didn't. I think he didn't feel like he had a chance to stop the bleed. It just sort of. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. And as I said, I mean, I brought him in pretty early on, but there was. Uh, there was only so much I could do, and he could not get them to change their minds. But, but, but to your to your point before where you were going was, you know, does a does a unit really fade away? Sometimes, I have to think there are always a handful. If it does fade away, you've got a handful of scouts that just want to go elsewhere. So, so Joe, um, in our uh, one of the leaders in in my troop, um, his his pack for his younger son recently folded, and they moved over to a different pack. But I think that was a fade-away situation. That was a fade-away, and they just didn't recharter, right? After COVID, they, they just didn't come back and say, all right, we're just not going to recharter. It was it, – and, and I, it surprised some people because I think there was a perception that they were pretty strong. And a lot of this speaks to the lack of general communication with units sometimes. And if they don't have a commissioner and the district doesn't know what's going on, and the, these packs are sometimes – operating in little islands and they don't no one really knows what's going on otherwise right then all of a sudden yeah all of a sudden there's a unit that just doesn't recharter yeah and that, that it's unfortunately if it's a surprise then a lot of people aren't doing what their jobs are i'm not going to pick on a commissioner but commissioners are supposed to be in touch with their assigned units and should not be the last person to learn that a unit's not going to recharter or that they can't find a new cub master. So if if we're all doing our jobs, so so there was a, a cub pack uh, near me 
the chartered rep who I was close to, um, Catholic priest, young guy, um, had been an Eagle Scout in my town. We were, you know, fairly close. And he said, I, I just don't have enough kids. I can't recharter. And I said, okay, can we place these families in another pack? He said, absolutely. And so it was a cooperative effort to make sure that he introduced those families, and he was you know, on top of it, uh, introduced those families to other packs and you know, made sure that the kids transferred. Uh, another pack, same town, different situation. It's a large city here in Connecticut. Uh, just didn't have enough families to support the program. And again, Cubmaster on his way out made sure that all the families were going to be placed in another pack. Um, and I don't know that we lost anyone in that transaction um, or so. Cub packs are a little, a little easier to place the kids, it feels like. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's, I guess it depends on the size, geographically, what's going on. I mean, we we have a big scouting town here, and when when this happened with us, it, it was literally them going another mile to a different elementary school for the PAC meeting. We we talked about having a PAC meeting or two at the other elementary school where they came from, but the fear was that the moment you start introducing variability in schedule, people start going to the wrong places. Yeah. <laughs> and we thought it was better to stay, to stay consistent there. You know, interesting, we were talking on our last recording and I mentioned one of the items within my ticket came up and this had been another one because I took Woodbad shortly after this happened and one of mine was at our first large camp out with both schools we 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 left those dens intact so we had the dens from the old unit still staying self-contained within our pack so really everyone only mixed at the pack meetings so at that next camp out i ran a whole bunch of games designed for intermingling the schools with each other yeah that was fun we i did, remember that one uh, it, yeah that was we did the um uh the rock paper scissors tournament to that, and, and i said you must do it with someone who you don't know yeah and, and you know for a six-year-old that's easy you know okay sure uh, but but that was a lot of fun. We we did a couple of games designed to just kind of force feed the kids to each other and get them to know each other a little better. I, I, I know that when we were starting up some of the girl troops, and I, I remember this in two instances, that the girl troop wanted to pick leaders, knew about, knew about it obviously because the girls have been brand new, is they wanted to pick a number of a legacy troop that had folded multiple years beforehand, hmm. but someone had the old troop flag in their basement. So, you know, it's, it's that, that type of information and, and history hangs around so that you can reestablish a troop in um, town I used to live in. We were starting up, trying to start up a new Cub Scout pack, tried it a couple of years in a row, and we were fishing around for what the number is. Somebody remembered that we had a you know, an old pack many years before and someone had a, you know, a, a pack flag in a closet and we said, all right, let's, let's go with that number because it's, it's a rallying point. Oh, sure. Uh, and you don't lose, like to use units, lose units, but you use that as an ability to, you know, keep their tradition going as it were. 
That's great. Yeah, and then when you re when you rebuild that unit, don't you get one of those cool founder patches? Yeah, mm -hmm. you do. There you yeah, go. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. Yep, and, and you know that's maybe a future guest. I mean, our our friend Mike did that. I mean, he built a new unit in the town next to ours. That's true. Really? Huh. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if I knew that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, wow. So that's packs. Now, tr when troops fold, anything different about that? Anything unique about that? I mean, you typically, I would imagine it's, or is it pretty much the same dynamic? I know, I know one of my patrol members in Wood Badge, when I took Wood Badge, uh, his name is Tom, his main, uh, all of his ticket goals were around keeping his unit going because uh, he was down to five or six scouts. And it, it was a, a legacy troop in the town that he lived in. They'd been around a long time. And he was the former scoutmaster but current committee chair. And he was just so worried about the unit folding, and I think eventually the unit did fold. It, um, mm -hmm. And that was, I, you know, as a young, as a young uh, cub leader, I just that just seemed it, it, in a, in a strong scouting town with a strong unit. I just I almost couldn't conceive of a of a scouting unit folding up like that. Um, so ultimately, I think the unit did fold, and. He, uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, I have to follow up with him. I have to follow up with Tom and see see where mm. where that did work. That that yeah. is a shame. And I, the only thing I can say about about troops, and again, not having any experience with it, but because the boys are older, and you do see boys make the and girls, you do see youth make the decision to switch troops when they're not happy. I would think that a troop folding will have more to do with the program and youth deciding this is not right for them anymore than your than a pack that folds due to just lack of adult involvement does that make any sense i mean that's a complete you know i, I i'm just kind of spitballing there but but the youth play a much larger part in the success of a troop than they do in the success of a pack well we tr we, we we strive to make the packs, excuse me, the troops to be youth-led, youth-run, depends on how you want to define that term. And so if that's not working, then the kids may go elsewhere, you're right. And they're less bashful about doing that. Um, I'm trying to think. So a troop in uh, the town next to me folded last year it was the one of the oldest troops in town, and it was a combination of lack of leadership, but also they just weren't recruiting much. It has always been a small troop, and I think they were down to two or three boys and just chose not to recharter. And I think those youth either were aging out or had already made eagle rank, so there was less to keep them involved. Well, uh, so they, they faded away. Yeah, it's kind of you're right. They just faded away, and and it's it it tends to be well, again, it's it's lack of recruiting. However, you know, however that manifests itself. So a troop that gets down to four or five or six, 
if one or two kids don't come to a meeting, then it's starting to, you know, fail in between. Well, look, the, the unfortunate reality of this is there's going to be a lot more troops folding in the coming years uh, if these Cub membership numbers don't get better. Quite yeah. true. Oh, it's, it's, it's horrible. This is the first year, both locally and nationally, where the number of Cubs is less than the number of Scouts PSA. Yep. And we haven't had that problem for about 100 years. Uh, well, technically, I don't know. I could do the math. 85 years. Yeah. Since Cub Scouts have been around. And that's our feeder program, and that's, yeah, that's a problem. Oh, there's a, there's a, uh, it's another podcast, but we should, uh, we should dissect that interview uh, with, is it Roger Mosby? Is that his name? Mo Mosby? Is he the chief? Yeah, he's the new uh, yeah, scout uh, chief scout executive. He did an interview with, uh, on the Brian on Scouting newsletter, I think. And uh, he talks a lot about membership, talks a lot about uh, uh, post-bankruptcy. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, he didn't make any commitments, but I think he was hoping for the bankruptcy, everything to be done in the, f in the fall, I think he said in there. Uh, That's what we understand it to be. Yes, yeah, right. so uh, we should we should have a whole other episode, just sort of maybe even re reviewing that uh, that article because it was it was pretty interesting. But they just acknowledge the problems and they're positive about the growth opportunities. And uh, but yeah, this it's uh, it's going to get I think slightly worse before it gets better. I don't think I, I don't think we've bounced up from the bottom yet, and I don't know that we. Uh, until the bankruptcy's done and the money starts coming in, uh, yeah, from everything that everyone's been t telling me and everything I'm reading, that uh, you know, there's we're not ready for the V-shaped recovery yet, right? We're still sort of bouncing along the bottom. Yeah. Yep. Now you're well, right. Well, on a let's end this on a positive note. I want to put a, a cherry on top of the whole the story that that Jeff that you and I got to share with the unit that that folded and then you helped to resurrect. Uh, it, it's summer now, and some packs don't do anything during the summer. Those two packs now, the two that were two and then became one and became two again, are running a a quite um, strong summer program jointly. They're doing a whole bunch of stuff all in and around town together. And it looks like they're trying to keep that relationship alive between the two packs, which I think is a, is a fantastic outcome from all of this. That they, what you came out with were two stronger units that are going to partner and continue to keep each other strong. Yeah, and they absorbed the scouts from the units in town that did fold up or fade away. And their stated goal is to rebuild those units. Uh, it's in its infancy, but you know, since they have a legacy of sort of rebirth in that way, I think they're going to continue paying it forward. And I got to tell you, there's some of the best cub leaders around in those two units. It's amazing. Um, and Greg, you you and I uh, it had nothing to do with it, and and I'm and I'm okay with that. Uh, uh, you know, we, the, absolutely. Yeah, um, it just the it's just the, the great people uh, saw the need. They stepped forward and they uh, they really really did well and continue to do well. And I, I'm just uh, it I, I feel blessed to sort of be in their orbit because it's just 
it's just a wonderful feeling to be part of that. Oh, sure. To have been part to have been part of the story in in any capacity, uh, it, it's great. It's wonderful to see, and it's a great example for other units out there that you don't you don't have to disappear. You can you can partner up and get strong again, and then you know the phoenix from the ashes, if you will.